Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. All right, well, good morning, everybody. All right, our teachers are getting seated. Man, it's so great to be back with you again. I'm sorry I missed you all last week. I was in Arizona serving as a delegate on behalf of the Southern California Conference to vote uh, new leadership and policy at the union level, which is the next level above us, the um, well, above the conference, I should say. And it was a great trip. Um, drove out all the way to Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a million degrees out there, but it was only in the low 90s, so it was really nice. And actually, for the last two weeks, it had been raining. Now, how many of you have ever been to Arizona during monsoon weather? Okay, a handful of you. All right. Growing up, I've, I've been to Arizona a number of times, and especially during the summer, they get the monsoons. And it is probably some of the most gnarliest thunder and lightning I've ever experienced. In fact, in my hotel room, I was looking across the valley near Mount Lemon, and it was a, it was a light show. It was awesome. It was amazing. And what didn't have the thunder, frankly, I was a little disappointed. And then on the last night, the thunder finally did came, and I wasn't able to sleep as well. <laughs> so it was rather unexpected. But throughout the two weeks prior, all of that rain caused all of the, the hillside that we were staying at to become green. As I drove in, I was thinking, it's August, it's super hot, and yet life abounds in the midst of a dry and dreary landscape. And that had me thinking, you know, in the midst of this world, when Jesus comes in, onto earth, he comes in a way that is so unexpected. Now, we're, as, as Bill pointed out last week, we're beginning a new series on the book of Matthew. And it's our goal to be able to go through a number of themes that as you read through Matthew next time, and, and I encourage you sometime, read it again from, from beginning to end, and you'll see these themes popping up. We're not going to go through every single section today of Jesus as the anointed one or the Messiah, just a few, because I want to leave it open for you to be able to discover and see as you read the gospel in a way that you had never understood or realized before. That's one of the things about the Bible. I've been reading the Bible my whole life, and there's still things that pop out to me. It's like, wow, I had never seen it that way before. That is so amazing. And so today we're going to talk about the anointed one, also known as the Messiah. Last week, Bill touched on the fact of there are so many, uh, there's a number of uh, prophecies in the Old Testament pointing that Jesus is coming. And here we're going to focus especially on that of being uh, the anointed one. So one of the things about uh, Jesus being the Messiah is that in the book of Matthew, Jesus is the central theme. He is the nucleus of the gospel of Matthew. You find in the first four chapters is Jesus dedicated, uh, Matthew dedicates the first four chapters of Matthew to Jesus pre being prepared for his ministry. And then in, in chapters five through 16, 
It talks about how Jesus went out, he teached, he preached, he healed, he listened. And then finally, from 16 to 28, it talks about Jesus' life, death, resurrection. So Jesus is the nucleus of the gospel of Matthew. The other thing, too, is Jesus is the Messiah, the Jewish nation, the one that Ju- the Jewish nation had been waiting and longing for. And so we put out a couple of texts just to kind of, you can look back later, but I'd like to go to one of these passages. Let's go to 2 Samuel 7. 2 Samuel 7, verses 11 through 16. It had long been declared that the Lord would establish through, through, uh, through David's line a kingdom. All right, when you're there, say amen. Amen. Still here, a few pages flipping. By the way, if this is your first time being here, we want to say welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Glad to have you here. All right, so in 2 Samuel 7, 11 through 16, it says, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish a throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands, but my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul when I removed him from your house. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. So already prior to in 2 Samuel, there's this pointing of a future Messiah. Now, there are other passages that we can look at, but this is just one of them. Now, the Messiah, what does the Messiah mean? It means to be the anointed one. And Jesus is uh, he's the divine son of God. He is Emmanuel, as we've read uh, a number of times, especially this last Christmas, in Matthew 1, 23. In fact, uh, okay, if, if we even go to uh, Matthew 1, let's actually go to Matthew 1, 1. Matthew 1, 1. And it says, this is the what? Genealogy. Why does Matthew start his gospel with a bunch of names? Anybody have an idea? I'm sorry? To prove his point. Absolutely. That Jesus wasn't just somebody who comes out out of nowhere, but there's a lineage. Jesus has history. In fact, it starts all the way to Abraham, Father Abraham, some of us know the song, Father Abraham had many sons. How many sons had Abraham? I won't go further. But you, <laughs> I'm so tempted, so many years of camp ministry. And so you go through, for instance, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, etc., etc., etc. 
And, and it's here that we see that Jesus is just no random figure, but comes from the line of David all the way back. And if you're a, a good Jew, and, and, and Matthew is, well, I guess you could say it's the Jewish gospel. It was written for the Jewish Christians at a time where they were kind of at odds with the, the, the Jewish nation itself. The Jewish Christians were um, being persecuted, and uh, they, were, they were having tra- uh, troubles with their, their, uh, their non-Christ-believing <laughs> brothers and sisters. And so how, how do you reconcile this? Well, the author is pointing out, look, this is the one who was to come. And a good Jew knew their genealogy. They knew where they came from. If they didn't, for instance, when, when the, 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 the temple was rebuilt, they were on the outs to some degree. So they knew who they were, where they came from. Uh, and uh, not only that, as we also read earlier, uh, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. This is verse uh, uh, 23, that the, uh, the birth of Messiah, Jesus of Messiah, came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And uh, eventually, it comes down to verse 23, where it says, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Now, God, can you imagine God coming down here on earth? If you were God, would you want to come down here on earth at the current state that it is right now? Uh Uh-uh. You know, this week has been very, um, I don't know. I don't know about you, but it hit me in the feels this week. It's uh, a lot of stuff has been happening. And uh, the bigger picture, my heart breaks for this world that is in pain and in agony. Um, And I ask myself, what can I do? Sometimes I'm at a loss. Um, And truly, the only thing that I know that I can at least do is I can try to make a difference in my home, in my neighborhood, to be kind, to be respectful, to be loving. These are things that are that we're taught from a young age. And while I can't control the whole world, I can try to do my part and to be a disciple, an emissary, an ambassador for Christ. But God comes down to earth. That's just to me, that just, it blows my mind. What other God has done that? None that I know of. And so God is here. And, and, and as, as you read through Matthew 2, 3, and 4, he's preparing. In fact, he, in, in I think it's uh, chapter 4, he prepares himself in a journey, 40 days of fasting. I haven't eaten breakfast, and I'm starving already. Right? But yet it was his preparation. He was anointed. He was called. Jesus is also the bedrock of our faith. Without Christ, we're nothing. In fact, even uh, an inspired writer, Ellen White, says that Christ is to be the center, the heart of every message that you preach. I'm not perfect, but I've always tried to be able to preach Christ every sermon that I get up here, that Christ be lifted up. 
Jesus is the bedrock. And I, I had to, I actually Googled what does bedrock look like? And it took me to this picture of the desert. And uh, sometimes you might have dirt or you might have um, grass or something on top of it. But underneath is this rock. And this rock is a foundation. And as much as you might try to you know, jump on it, it's not moving, right? As much as you try to maybe take a, um, uh, what do you call those machines that pushes dirt? A, a bulldozer, right? You could have the biggest bulldozer, but it's not going to be going anywhere. In fact, there's other passages where it alludes to the fact that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. So I'd like to go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. This is an instance where Jesus is recognized as the, the Son of God, the Messiah. Okay. So again, we're not going to go through all of them, just a couple. But this is a story of where one of the disciples recognizes who Jesus is. Okay, we all there? All right, thank you. So Matthew 16, verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, okay, he asks Peter, John, all these guys, who do people say the Son of Man is? And their response is, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, these people are kind of uh, looking back, for instance. They, they know who Jeremiah, J uh, 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 Elijah, people that they looked to, they took comfort in because they were prophets. But Jesus says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon, I love Simon, or si Peter, Simon Peter, he responds, with, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. But this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood. It wasn't because of your own thinking, but it was God who reveals, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, there's kind of been a little bit of misunderstanding sometimes because Peter, uh, what, what is the root name for Peter? What does it mean? To be a stone or pebble, right? A rock. And although there are similarities with his name and, and Peter has uh, a prominent central uh, position, uh, he's a central figure in the work of the church after Jesus dies, this rock is not based on Peter. It's based on Christ. Jesus is the cornerstone. And, and on this rock, I will build my church. And as it says, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. When a church chooses to not keep Christ centered in its mission, mercy, amen? We have to keep Christ centered. And Jesus, the Messiah, he comes down to earth. He lives among God's people. He teaches, he preaches, he heals, he has compassion. He listens to the pleas of many who are sick, who are tired, who are hurting, and who are dying. Much like I turned the news on this, you know, this last week. How many are hurting? How many are crying? How many are grieving? How many are so scared to death? 
and it could be here on the streets. I have conversations all the time of people who are struggling. And I see and I turn on the news of people just trying to have an existence without even being caught in the middle, just trying to live a normal life. It hurts. But Jesus goes on, I will give you the king's keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Of course, if you tell a child to do, not to do something, what do they do? They do the opposite, right? I don't know why it is but we always seem to want to do the opposite thing of when we're told not to do something. Here, Jesus is recognized by his disciples. You are the Messiah. Everything is is centered in Christ. May we always continue to do that, to see Jesus as the Messiah May our prayers, may our worship, may our singing and our preaching and everything that we do outside of this church may be rooted in Christ. The other thing that we, uh, we, real, uh, we have to recognize is that in, in Matthew, Matthew points, he portrays Jesus as not just a king, but a divine king. Uh, Let's go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Matthew 26. All right, we there? Okay. Still here, a few pages turning. All right. While Jesus was in Bethany, In the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were what? They were indignant. They were mad. They were upset. And when the disciples saw, so why this waste? This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. And aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. He's already pointing ahead to his, 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 his death here. And when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done has also, will also be told in memory of her. Now, it was common practice in the Old Testament for somebody to be a king, to be anointed, before, to, to be anointed beforehand, and also in death. And so there's kind of a, a double illustration here. But this woman sees and recognizes who Jesus was and anoints him just before his death. Now, Jesus, who's the Messiah, is not just... Uh, a normal king, a divine king. But this is not the king that the Jewish nation was expecting. Although they'd been long waiting, long and hoping for them to be able to overthrow 
the Roman Empire wasn't to be the case. You know, every teenager, when they hit the point of 15 or 16, what do they want to do? They want to drive, right? So maybe they'll get their their driver's permit, and eventually they want to get their driver's license so they can have what? Freedom. Thank you, Bill. They want freedom. And then about two or three weeks later, after driving and doing mom and dad's errands, they think that's grand. About two or three weeks later, they realize, wait a minute, this driver's license is not as cool as I thought it was, right? Because now I have to do... I have to go and run errands. I got to pick up my little kid brother from some appointment, this or that. And you realize that you become the errand boy or the errand girl at some point. Not what you expected in life. Amen? How many of you who are older brothers and sisters experienced the pain that we had to go and shepherd our siblings and do errands for mom and dad? Not quite. We have this grand illusion that we can do whatever we want when we have a license. No, you can't. You just because you have a license doesn't mean you get to go 100 miles down the freeway, right? You can't just do whatever you want. Oh. And so the Jewish nation, they thought, okay, the Messiah has come, but yet the Messiah does not act like the Messiah should. The Messiah is humble. He helps people. When's he going to take over? In fact, the disciples were waiting. When is he going to become a king? And more importantly, when can I park my chair next to him so we can rule? All of a sudden, the script is flipped. And when Jesus dies, the Messiah, he's on the cross. Where are the disciples? They're gone, save for John. Because Jesus, you'll find in the book of John, Jesus gives the responsibility of John to be able to care for his mother. It was the ladies who had been there, who had, who had financially helped them, cared for them, fed for them, that were close, closest to Jesus. Peter, he, he denied Jesus three times. There was no way he was going to be close to show his face. Felt too guilty. Divine King, this was not what was expected. And yet when we look at the whole, whole perspective, the beautiful perspective is that as the divine king, Jesus conquers death. Amen? Jesus brings grace and salvation. Amen? Hmm. Sometimes when we look and think of kings, we think of strength and <laughs> Jesus obviously had a lot of strength. It took a lot of strength when he could have just crushed the whole earth. As it says in other points where I think there was, what, 10,000 angels ready to go? But no, Jesus practices humility. He practices humility and leadership. He protects, he blesses others. He was looking out for others. A good king, a good leader doesn't take, but serves and helps listens, provides all the things that Jesus did. The question I have for you now is, who is the Lord of your life? Where do you put your trust? In yourself? In others? Other humans? The government? I want to encourage you 
trust God. If you've never had that opportunity, let's take a moment. God, there are some here who are sitting in the pews who have never had perhaps the opportunity to accept you as, as, their, as, your, as their Savior and as the Lord of their life, and as a king, no less. But God, we pray, Lord, enter our hearts. May you as the divine king be with us, guide us. May the Holy Spirit help us in all things to shape and mold us to be your disciples. And God, as we continue this series, Lord, help us to understand the other themes as we read through Matthew and other other scriptures, Lord, that they just pop out and to recognize what you're trying to tell us, what Matthew is trying to tell us. That, Lord, you were promised before and you have come into this world and you have overcome. And now, Lord, until we meet again, grant us wisdom, strength, and courage to be loving, to be kind, to be your ambassadors, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Above all, Lord, may we be a reflection of you. Help us, Lord, and especially when there are times, Lord, when we are especially discouraged, Lord, even when we make mistakes. We know, though, that you are a God of love. We don't do this because we're trying to get an advantage, but, Lord, we are sinners. And day by day, Lord, as we grow with you in relationship, help us, Lord, the things that pull us down, may we be able to free, be free from those things and ultimately to love and serve you and to draw closer to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Grace and peace, everybody. May God bless you. We'll see you next week. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.